Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, God's Gift for the Church, presented by Pastor Alan Moss on October 28, 2018. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read real quick and then we'll kind of discuss a little bit what we're reading. Uh, and you're going to kind of understand it a little bit more, I hope. Uh, but let's read real quick and then, and then we'll get into it. So if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we're just going to start with verse 1 and we're going to read down to whenever I stop. Uh, but this is, this is Paul writing a letter to the church. And that's why this is going to be interesting because we're talking about what God's gift to the church is. And I want you to think about that this entire time. Uh, why we're reading and why we're going to discuss that, that question right there. What is God's gift to the church? Uh, so let's go ahead and let's start. It says, this will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he, he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified, but I trust that you will know that you are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do not do evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Therefore, I write these things being absent, least being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me to edification and not destruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today and we just ask you to open our hearts. Open our hearts and open our minds that we hear your word. And we don't just hear it, that we apply it to our lives. That we soak it in and we understand what you want us to understand. And that we put our faith in you. Lord, we ask that you touch everyone here today. That we hear the message that you're giving us. That we can come together as one. In worship and glory in your name. Give you all the blessings in your son's name. Amen. Now, when my kids were younger. And you all know my kids are older now. And that most of them have kids. Except for my oldest one. But when my kids were younger... Uh, discipline really wasn't a problem. You know, uh, each three were so different. You know, my oldest daughter, I could look at her without saying a word. I could look at her when she was little and she would know just by my look and tears would start coming down her eyes and she'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I wouldn't have to say a word. Now, my son came along and that's a little bit different story. Alex was all boy. I probably broke three or four ping pong paddles. Uh, not that I beat him all the time now, but, but he was kind of crazy. 
you know, and he was a handful. Matter of fact, Alex was the kind of kid that when, I, when he was younger, it was easy to keep him in control because I had that ping pong paddle. Matter of fact, I remember one time, and me and Carrie thought it was so funny when he was younger, I'd say, you know, Alex, you've done wrong, and I'd tell him he'd done wrong, and I'd say, you're, you, I'm going to have to, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to bust you. How many spankings do you think you should get? Now, the first couple of times, you know, he would say, oh, give me four, give me five, you know, but then after that, it was one. <laughs> I mean, he learned really quick, but, but that's how I had to keep him in control. Now, Arena, and I'm glad she's not in here right now. Uh, Arena, she was so terrified because she'd seen her brother get spanked that I could just threaten her, and that was all it took. I could just say, I'm going to go get this paddle. Oh, no, 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 Dad, please, please, please. But that's when they were younger. But as they grew older, it got kind of hard. You know, it's hard to take a teenager out and say, I'm going to get the ping pong paddle out. You know, I couldn't do that, you know. So as they got older, I had to learn different ways to keep them under control, you know, or to discipline them. You know, and a lot of times I, I thought, geez whiz, nothing's working. You know, I'd take their, their TV privilege away, didn't work. I'd make them go to their room, that really didn't work, because five minutes in their room, they're, they're having a good time. And I'm like, you're supposed to be, you know, and I tried the timeout, and that didn't work either. So I, I kept trying to figure out, man, what do I need to do to get it through their head that they've messed up, and that I've got to discipline them some way or another? And lo and behold, one day, I got it. And it wasn't anything I thought of. It was just, I had all three of them and I was talking to all three of them and I was trying in my mind to say, you know, all three of them got in trouble at the same time, but what do I do? You know, and I just started talking and that did it. <laughs> I mean, because I went on, you think I'm long-winded up here? No, I went on and on and on and I'm telling you, by, by the time I was done, they were begging me to just shut up. <laughs> They're like, Dad, I will never do this again if you just please be quiet. So I learned right away that it was my lecturing and me talking to them that got their attention. You know, because they didn't want that. They would rather, you know, just get a discipline and go on instead of me really digging into what they did wrong. You know, because that's what I did. I would dig in. I'd say, well, you know you did wrong, but let me explain why it's wrong, what you did wrong, and how you're going to fix this. And man, they hated that. They really did. They didn't like it. That was the best way I could do it. So I'm telling all you dads, you really want to get a hold of your kids. Man, just start lecturing them till their ears fall off. And you'll get through to them, I promise. As I was reading this message, it brought that back. Because if you read this letter that Paul's writing, he's kind of chewing them out, isn't he? I mean, if you look at the first couple verses, it's, this is the third time I got to come to you. And I'm, I'm telling you, I heard, I heard my voice say that a million times, my kids. This is the second time we've had this problem, Alex. Are you kidding me? And that's really what Paul is saying right here. He's like, this is the third time I'm having to come to you. 
Now I'm going to bring witnesses because I got two or three witnesses because I can't be there. But man, I'm getting tired of coming to you with the same issue. And that's what Paul was doing here. And he was lecturing them. And he was, he was showing them where you've messed up, why you messed up, and how to fix it. And I know it doesn't sound like it, it's all in there, but it really is. And what was he telling them? What was he really chewing them out for? He says, you know, uh, and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest. And, and I love this part. You know, Paul, Paul was... I. May I tell you what? I don't know if Paul had, I don't think Paul had any kids, but I could, if he did, he must have been one mean daddy. Because he did, he did not spare the rod at all. And that's what he says here. He says, I will not spare. I will, I'm not going to be easy on you this time, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. You know, he, he's really upset with him. And then he goes on, he says, for though he was crucified in weakness. And what he's telling them right there is that when Christ died for weakness, in weakness, and, and he died a horrible death on the cross, it wasn't to mean he was weak. It was mean the way he died was weak. It looked weak to the world, didn't it? You know, when you die on a cross, you're being shamed. You know, that's a bad way to die. Criminals died on the cross. And it was to show that you're not bigger than the government. You're not bigger than, than anything. You're weak. And, and he says, even though Christ died in weakness, he was mighty. And he's trying to tell us that. See, what he's really trying to tell the church here is you forgot the gift. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You forgot the gift of God to the church. And what is that? What is it? Because he tells us here, but it's hard to understand. What is the gift he's talking about? What gift? I don't see it here. And then he goes on and he says, He lives by the power of God. For we are also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And then he tells them, Examine yourselves. See what you've lost. And I think in order to answer that question of what they lost, I think we've got to ask ourselves, what is the church? Because if we're going to look for the gift that God gave the church, I think maybe we should figure out what the church is. Because I think that's what they've lost. So what is the church? What is it to you? That's, that's an important question to ask. You know, I've asked a bunch of people this week, if I ask you one, you know, and, and unfortunately a couple of the pastors I had to ask, I had to remind them, I want one word, two word answers, not a 30 minute sermon. You know, Floyd. No, he did good. He did good. <laughs> but, but I, you know, because you ask that question, you know, and a lot of things go in your mind. You know, what is the church? You know, and if you stop and you try to put it in just a couple of words, it's hard. It really is. And I got, I got answers that just all over the board. You know, what are they? What's the church? And then I asked, what do you think God's gift to the church was? And I got a ton of different responses. Some that made sense. Some that I really had to think about. 
you know, and, and try to make sense of it. But I got a lot of different responses. But I kept going back to this. And I kept saying, now, why is Paul kind of chewing them out? And where is the gift of the church in this? Why is he so angry with this church? What is it they lost that makes him so mad? You know, and I kept reading, I kept reading, I kept reading. I, I, I just couldn't get it. And I'm like, I just don't understand it. You know, and then I started kind of reading it kind of between the lines and saying, well, maybe this is what it is. And, and it was really hard. But then I started thinking, why would he say examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith? Test yourselves. Do you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? And that verse really told me what the gift of the church is. You know why he's so mad? You know why he's chewing them out? Because he's trying to remind them that the gift that God's given the church is them. No matter what we think, no matter how we act, they are the church. They make the church. See, God, I thought for a while, because I got one answer of, oh, the gift of, the, of God to the church was Jesus Christ. And I said, well, no, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for everybody, didn't he, Floyd? He died on the cross for the world. So how does that affect the church? That couldn't just be his gift to the church only. That was the gift to the whole world. So what is it? And the reason why Paul gets so upset right here is he's telling them, guys, you are God's gift to the church because you are the church. And it's so important to know that. You know, and I love where he says, you know, examine yourselves. And, you know, I think sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes we think that when we fall, or when we, when we fall, that we failed. And that's where he's talking about being disqualified. It says, unless you are disqualified, but I trust that you will know that you are not. And I started thinking, what does that mean, disqualified? If, unless I think I'm disqualified, but I, and he says, but I trust that you will know that you are not disqualified. What does that mean? And I think sometimes, and I don't know about you guys, but you can raise your hands if you want. But have you ever fallen and you stumbled and, and you, 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 you did wrong, you knew you were wrong? How many times did you ever just think right there, well, I'm done. God doesn't love me anymore. I will never get into heaven because I made this big mistake. I do all the time. When I fall and I stumble, that's the first thing that goes into my head is, well, God's checked me off that list. My name's, I'm not in the book of life anymore because of that one mistake. Is that what he's saying? Does God say that? Does God mean that? That when you sit, oh, you're done. And then I was talking to a really good friend of mine about this. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, Alan, let me ask you something. Do you believe that as long as you've got breath in your body, no matter what your life is, that you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and go to heaven? 
no matter how old you are? I said, well, as long as you're breathing, yeah. He said, well, then are you ever disqualified while you're alive? And man, that hit me hard. I said, well, no, I guess I'm not. He said, that's right. See, what Paul is saying right here is when you fall, doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you failed. And it doesn't mean God's given up on you. Because you're not disqualified from his love. God says that. Jesus says that. As long as you've got a breath in your body, you can turn to Christ. The only time you can't accept Jesus Christ is when? When you're worm food. When you're dead. Then you don't have a choice. Then you're disqualified. And that's what Paul is telling him. Quit beating up on yourself so much. You forgot the gift. You forgot who you are. You forgot God lives in you. He says Jesus Christ lives in you. The power that Christ has is in you. Why are you beating yourself up so much? But we do that all the time. And I'll be honest with you, and this is going to hurt, but I think one reason why people beat themselves up all the time is because of church. That hurts, doesn't it? I speak from experience. When I was 16, I guess 17 years old, when I met Carrie, I did not want to go into church. Why? You know what? One of the main reasons I come to figure out through my life was the reason why I didn't want to go into church because I did not want to be the guy everybody was pointing at. I did not want to be the guy that people were whispering saying, can you believe he's in church? What, who does he think he is coming to church? I saw that kid the other night on the street corner. You know, just drunk as a skunk. What's he doing in church? Can you believe he walked through our doors? Go ask people. The number one reason why people don't go to church is, number one, they're not invited. And why are we not inviting them? Because we're afraid to invite them. We really are. We, we, judge, we prejudge them. You know, hmm, ah, you coming to church? I don't know, man. The roof might fall in. You know, and I, so I don't want you in my church. But is that church? Is that the gift God gave us? See, God built a church for a reason. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Whoa, there went my little note, Billy. Pick that up. No, I'm teasing you. Don't, don't you dare. <laughs> I know you're lowered to the ground, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm te Floyd, me and Floyd tease each other a lot. I love him. Uh, you know, if you go to chapter, you go to Ephesians chapter four. Let's look at some of the things that God's given the church. In verse eleven, it says, "And He Himself gave, to, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping." of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the full body of Christ 
the full body, the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? The church. And he's equipped us. He's given us things. It says, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So really, what is the church? And what is, it, what is its gift? I want you to watch this video real quick. Sammy's going to key it up for me. Let's watch this. What is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music? The tradition? Or the ministries? These are all good things, but they are not the church. Take them away, and the church is still here. Why? Because you are still here. The church is you. The church is you with a purpose. The church is you on a mission. The church is you with a plan, a simple plan to plug into God at a weekend service, to charge up in a small group community, to live out using your gifts and passions, and to pass on your faith to those who do not know Christ. When you and I live like this, all the things we used to do in church become things we do as the church. God desires it. The world needs it. And we are called to be it. What is the church? The church is you. if we got rid of the music tomorrow would we close our doors Jeff wouldn't be real happy <laughs> but if, if, if we got rid of the music should we not still meet if we, if we got rid of, of me and Floyd should we not still hear somebody say God's word should we not still open our Bibles We should. See, you guys are the church. We are all the church. And believe it or not, we are God's gift to the church. Because if we all left tomorrow, this would be a building. No, nothing more but a building. Why? Why is this a church? Because you come. Because you participate. Because you open your hearts. You make this a church. You are God's gift. You have to know that. 
And just because you stumble once in a while and you fall doesn't mean you failed. And as long as you have breath in your body, you can come to Christ. Why? Because you are God's most precious thing he ever created. And we are the church. If you don't believe me, we had probably a thousand people walk through here last night in this community. Come through here. More kids than I could count. Why? Because we are the church. It's as simple as that. If you go to the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us how we really should, should be. It says, and Paul says, I, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, which is humbleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endure, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father, of all who is above all and through all and in you all. You know what Paul's saying? That's how we need to be as a church. We need to be unified. We don't have to agree on everything. Some of you guys, and I tease Armando, some of you guys like the 49ers. <laughs> some like Denver. Some like Dallas. There's not a lot of smart people here. But <laughs> I'm just teasing but the one thing we need to be unified with is we should all love God Amen. and we should all love each other. We really should. When's the last time you prayed for your pastor? Not just to shut up, but <laughs> when's the last time you really prayed for the pastor, for the staff, for each other? You are God's gift to the church. The only way this church stays open is you. It's us together. There's a lot of things going on in this world, and I'm going to close here in a minute. Just this last week, there's been a lot going on. Yesterday, you know, the shooting in, in uh, Pittsburgh. And there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, the one thing I kind of get a kick out is we hear all of these politicians talking about civility. Yeah, I don't know. But I do know this, that the world's not going to be changed by a politician. The world's going to be changed by the church. And we're the church. And we are God's gift to the church. So I want to ask you something. There's three questions in your bulletin. I don't have a bulletin, so yeah, let me have your bulletin. Thank you, hon. There's, there's three questions in there I want you to really think about. Number one is, what is the church to you? 
I want you to take that home and I want you to think about it. I want you to write it down. Don't write a Sunday school answer because nobody's going to grade it. I want you to write it down. What is the church to you? What is it is right now to you? The second thing I want you to, to look at, the second question is, what do you want your church to be? Because believe it or not, that might be two different answers. What you think the church is and what you really want it to be. That could be two different answers. But the last question is really personal. It says, what are you doing to help the church become what you want it to be? Because see, this church should not be what I want it to be. It should be what we want it to be. It's like the old saying, you know, if, if my dad used to always tell me when I was little, if, if you're going to complain about something and not do anything to fix a problem, then just shut up. Don't complain about it. But if you're going to fix it, if you're going to work at it, if you're going to be a part of it, then go for it. Too many times that's what's happened in church is we think it's someone else's responsibility to make it something. But guys, you are the church. Your role is much more important than mine. I get to work with the kids and have fun. But I want this church to be something more. That's why I do it. I want this church to be what we had last night where people can come. They don't worry about their past. They're not worried about their present. They just want to come. I want them to come in here and feel loved. I want them to see God's gift, which is us. God said, let your light shine. Let my love shine flow through you. Show the world me through you. That's what I want. That's what everybody in here should want. The way to do it is not just talk it. We got to walk it. We have to be the church. We have to be what God wanted us to be. We have to be God's gift. Why? Because the world needs it. We need it. This should be the place to go. You got questions of life? This is your answer book. Right here. Each other. You got struggles in your life? Should you go to a street corner and find somebody to share your struggles with? Shouldn't this be the place? We're God's gift to each other. We just got to commit to it. We got to quit pointing fingers, quit judging, quit worrying about what somebody's living like and know what they could be. You guys ever, you know, I wish y'all would have known me when I was 17. I really do. I go back home and I run into friends and I tell them, you know, hey, I'm a children's pastor, and man, their jaws hit the floor. I'm serious. They can't believe it. Most of them think I'm crazy. I mean, they really do. Oh, you're lying. There ain't no way you go to church. But you know why? Because the gift of God in the church I started at 
Somebody said, I'm going to give that gift to that kid. I'm not going to judge him. I don't care if he's a thief. I don't care if he's a drunk. I don't care if he's a drug addict. I'm going to show him God's love. Because I bet you God has a plan for him or he wouldn't be alive right now. That's what we got to think. We got to become the church. We got to start using God's gift, which is yourself. And we got to start being that. We want to reach a community, that's how we're going to do it. And it's our calling, and it's our job. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. I just want you to think about it for a minute. Are you where you need to be? Are you being God's gift? Are you being the church? The music's going to play here in a little bit, and I'm just going to challenge you. If, if, if you have any doubts, please come forward. Come and kneel down and pray. Even right where you are, just turn around and pray. Just hit your knees and, and tell God, I want to be more. I want to use that gift. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a place. Maybe you're looking for what you think a church should be, a place where you can go for safety, a place where you can go and, and be loved, a place where you can go and know that no matter what your, your present or your past is, that we're not going to see you for that. We're going to see you for what God can make you. Because I'm telling you right now, no matter where you are, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter how imperfect you think you are, you're not. God can take that and He will make it perfection. Because you're not disqualified yet. And you haven't failed because you've fallen. You've just fallen. You need to be picked up. This is it. This is where you go. You come to these altars. Somebody will be here with you. Maybe you just need some prayer in your life. I just, right now, when nobody's looking around, just raise your hand and I will pray for you. We will pray for you every day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will pray. This is it. We should love each other. We are one body. We are one with Christ. We need to be that. Jeff's going to sing. And while he's singing, guys, this is your time. This is nobody else's time. This is your time. 
If you want to respond, respond. I'll be with you. Floyd will be with you. We will do this together. Because I want you to know you are God's gift. Your experiences, good and bad. It's your gift to share to the world. Because God sees something in you. And He wants you to come to Him. This is your time. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505 792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.